Hello and welcome to Hello Government of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah and my guest today is, introduce yourself, good sir. Hi everyone, my name is Anthony DiMasio. I'm a professional voice actor based out of Dallas, Texas. So first question is the obvious one. How did you get, how did you get started and what made you want to get into voiceover? Oof. Okay, that's a, that's a big question because we can, we can deep dive that one um, <laughs> if you really want to. I mean, I got I time. Guess... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess if you want the, uh, the short answer, uh, how I got into the industry was purely by chance. Um, I knew I wanted to do professional voiceover um, very recently. I've been in the industry now since uh, 2018, and I was fortunate enough to uh, meet with a, a Funimation voice actress, uh, a chance meeting. Literally, we were talking about gaming uh, PCs and, and um, gaming peripherals at a Best Buy. And I didn't even know that she worked for Funimation at the time. We were just having a conversation. Um, and she's like, oh, how long have you been living in Texas for? And I said, oh, you know, I actually just moved down here. I've been pursuing some professional voice work. She goes, oh, over at Funimation? And I said, yeah, I was thinking. It's like, you know, a town away from me. And uh, she tells me, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a director there. I do voiceover as well. And I've never heard of this person. Who um, oh, I will, for their privacy, I'll keep them anonymous. But uh, it was it was just a chance meeting. And she asked, well, do you have a demo reel? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I gave all the material that I had. Um, and she was brutally honest about, you know, what I was working with as a newcomer. And um, she said, here, submit to these different locations, uh, to these different places. They'll get you on their talent roster if they like what they hear. And um, that's how I, I got onto the talent pool to eventually get my very first voice acting role, which was uh, for Smite as Chef Vulcan which was a character that was uh, very near and dear to my heart because my father is an Italian immigrant. Um, he's from Abruzzi and uh, owned an Italian restaurant of his own for 16 years. So growing up, I've always been around really good quality Italian food. And uh, I adapted a lot of the mannerisms of that character around my father. So when I um, moved down here from, from Boston and I told my old man, I said, hey, I booked my first ever voiceover gig. You're not going to believe what it is. It's an Italian chef that I, that I based off of you. Um, oh my God, you, you should have, you should have heard his voice. He, it, he was elated. It, it was, it was insane. And for me, that was the big, that was a big driving factor that I was like, yeah, I, I feel like this is right. This is the, this is the career path that I want to take. Like this feeling is, is I, I want, I want more of this. So that's what's kept me going, um, to this day. So it, you know, voiceover was something you wanted from the very beginning. It wasn't something you just stumbled upon. Oh, yeah. No, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a voice actor. Um, uh, well, not a voice actor specifically. I wanted to do um, uh, sports commentary, actually. I, uh, growing up uh, in Massachusetts, I was a big Patriots fan, big football fan. Um, and uh, one of my favorite pastimes uh, with, with my, my father, with my brothers growing up was um, listening to the, uh, the, the Patriots Rock Radio Network starring, or not starring, but uh, featuring Gino Capaletti and Gil Santos, the, the voice of the Patriots, and they had these deep, booming voices. And um, I, that immediately drew me to the sport right away. And, and I was like, I want to do that when I get older. So um, when I had the opportunity in high school, because I, I played um, freshman football, I had the option to, or the opportunity to either continue into do, doing JV or doing live broadcast commentary for our, our, um, our local channel, for our, our, our varsity football games and I, I leapt at the opportunity to do that and I did that for the, the last three years of high school um, and then went off to college where I majored in broadcast journalism and communications and had a radio show um, 
that was a mix of kind of like alternative rock and, uh, and, and, you know, modern talk show. Uh, we called it the elbow room, did it every Wednesday, um, for, for a good few years, um, loved every second of it. And, uh, then, you know, it's kind of, uh, life stuff sort of happened in between. I kind of had to take a break from voiceover and then, uh, 2018 is when I pulled the trigger and decided, you know what, I'm going to take a shot, move from Boston down to Texas and really give this the full-time, uh, effort. And, um, how was, how did you find the dubbing process? Like, was it something easy or was it hard? The dubbing process was, it was gradual. It was very gradual for me. I, I definitely think I had an advantage by not rushing into it. I took baby steps because I knew that I was green. I didn't want to go in unprepared or do something that I didn't feel like I was best equipped to handle. You know, I, I wanted to practice and refine my craft. So uh, I took a ton of voice acting workshops, met a lot of really great, talented actors and directors. And eventually I found an opportunity to come in to do some uh, bits and walla for a anime at Funimation called Mix. It was a baseball uh, anime. And uh, the dubbing process was mainly just, it was walla. So if, you, if you're familiar with the walla process, what it is, it's all the background vocals and like the bit characters. And you get like anywhere from three to four voice actors crammed into, a, into one box, one booth, and everybody's recording at the exact same time. And, you know, you, there, it's everything from the cheers in the background to people on the streets to people running away from giant monsters, whatever the case may be. And it's a lot of ad lib. It's a lot of improv. And you kind of get to have a little bit of fun with it because most of your voice isn't really going to be heard. It's going to be drowned out in the background. Um, and so I just remember getting into the booth, not really knowing what to do. And I was like, I'm just going to follow along with what everyone else is doing. And I kind of got to, you know, learn and observe that way. And then started doing bits where you get used to sort of, okay, we're going to count you down three seconds in. They're going to play the clip first for you in Japanese. So you know what to expect. Here's your line. You're going to say it. Beep, beep, beep. Deliver the line. Whew. Okay. That was nerve wracking. Oh my gosh. But it felt really good. Can we do more? <laughs> and then after a while, they just keep calling you in and calling you in. And then bit characters turn into um, characters that, that, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll be named, sometimes they'll be nameless, but they'll have multiple lines. And then from there, you work up to a recurring character uh, to then you're, you're one of like the main cast members of, of a show. Um, and so that was basically from, from 2018 to 2019, kind of honing my, my skills a little bit there. And then in the fall of 2019, I got my first actual recurring supporting cast uh, character, um, in a show called uh, Stand My Heroes. I played a character called Satoru Watabe, um, which was, oh man, I was I was just awful. I was so bad. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, at least you're being honest. <laughs> it was, it was like, so to be fair, the anime is not that great. The source material was, I think it was like a, like a, it was like based off of a mobile game. It wasn't even, it didn't even have like a manga or like, any true source material. So a lot of the characters were just very stiff and rigid in what they were doing on screen anyway. So that didn't really give me much to work with. I kind of just said, yeah, I'm going to like use this as an opportunity to just be in the booth and to get more work around what I'm doing. Cause when they're calling you in to do a show, right. Um, nine times out of 10, you're not just coming in to record for that, that character that you're booked for. They'll try to find a way to flesh out the amount of time that you're going to be there. So you end up picking up other shows as well and doing some small side characters um, or more bits in Walla and it gives you more opportunity to practice. So 
by the end of the series, even though like I knew I wasn't going to be anything, this wasn't going to be anything to write home about. I was honing and refining my craft as I was going. And that felt really good to me. And then around that time that I was getting more comfortable doing voiceover work, that's when I started booking more video games. I got uh, uh, booked Borderlands 3 around that time um, and then got brought in again to do another Smite character in, in uh, Hyperspace Loki and uh, was like, all right, I'm finally starting to get a little bit of momentum here. Uh, and then that's when the pandemic happened and everything just flatlined <laughs> for like a good year. Um, where I just, I wasn't seeing any work at all. It was, it was rough. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's weird looking back at that period where, and realizing that so many promising careers just died. (laughs) (laughs) I I was on life support. I was on life support. Let's be fair. (laughs) Um, no, fortunately it didn't just outright die, but it did, it, it did suck having to like, you come in with all of this energy and this momentum. And, uh, you know, like you get into the industry in 2018. So 2019 is really like, that's the first year where you're like actually doing it consistently. And I'm like, okay, this is good. This is how I can kind of grow and develop into more work. And then you just, the established people are the ones who start coming in first. You know what I mean? The guys that have been doing this for a long period of time, um, who have like the home recording kits or who are getting the home recording kits and figuring out how to kind of get back into the swing of things as they're slowly figuring things out they're not really as focused on, 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 well, I don't want to say they're not focused on developing new talent, but it was like, there's a priority. They got to get back to actually doing anime first before they can get back into their rhythm and, and, and their routine. And, uh, you know, ultimately it ended up working out because 2021 picked up for me extremely well. And I started booking characters all over the place. I started, I got, um, uh, Rista of Knowledge, a character in Combatants Will Be Dispatched. I booked uh, my first One Piece uh, character. Um, I booked a Wodan Udgard in How a Realist Hero Rebuilt a Kingdom. Uh, who else? I was doing... Um, there's one other character that I'm totally forgetting. Oh! Um, Sivoir Snile in Black Clover. That was, that was a lot of fun. That was a really, really good uh, session. Short-lived character. And then uh, stop me anytime you want to. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm I mean, flexing at this point. You know, and then you got, you know, your, <laughs> I mean, you got your breakout role, the one that everyone knows you as, which is Mushroom Man in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. I mean, that that that, that role, man, you know, that's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and, and, you know, Mushroom Man was such, he's such a complicated character. He's so complex. He's so mischievous and goofy. And then, you know, he, he overreaches a little bit and he finds this one mushroom that he's like, Hmm, I haven't eaten this mushroom yet. And then the mushroom is actually a giant mushroom monster that eats him. And it's like, it's a cautionary tale. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that must've been a fun, that, that must've been a fun session because, you know, when I had um, Cyrus on, when, when we were talking about Tiny Tina, he was like, that mm-hmm. was the most fun I've had working on anything because Joel, you know, the, 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 the director was so into it. Like he was like, Oh man, mm. you know, it just it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I would imagine. I played uh, I played Judge Boyle in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands as well. That was that was the actual like main character, well, not main character, but like the bigger character that I played in that role. Um, and that was so cool getting to play off of Andy Samberg's lines. So I got I got to check an item off my bucket list that was never on my voice acting bucket list to begin with, which was getting to tell Andy Samberg to shut up, nerd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
He's your character, um, Tina. He's he's saying this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, I don't know. I can if you want me to go on. There was others that uh, that like 2021 was a really good year for me. I'm just saying. Um, I had uh, <laughs> the world ends with you. I, I booked uh, Higashizawa, and then um, probably one of my my favorite characters um, to wrap up the 2021 season uh, was. Uh, Toe Honda in Vampire Dies in No Time. That character was a lot of fun to to voice. And out of all the characters, out of all the characters you've done, which one would you say was the toughest? The toughest was probably um, probably Watabe at first because it was like that first like big like recurring character. Um, but in terms of the hardest for like to perform, I think Higashizawa was actually one of them because he is a little bit more on the the like heavy set character. He's um, very muscular, very very deep voiced type of character, very powerful. But he also turns into this giant roaring monster, and so you have to keep that base while also being very forceful and loud, and you have to pull so much out of you for that character, and it put a lot of strain on me. And fortunately, we were able to get through. Um, all of our sessions with him uh, with, with very, very minimal issues or very minimal um, like vocal strain. That's one of the things that I will say I like about professional voice acting. The directors are very good at keeping an eye out for that stuff and watching out for the actor's vocal health. Um, there have been sessions um, like even this past, uh, even this, this past season when I was working on Love After World Domination um, where I just, I'd, I'd been working working on shows so frequently I was starting to get vocal fry and um, it's, it's disappointing because you, you want to be able to perform. You want to be able to keep going and power through. You want to be like the consummate professional, but for a director to, to recognize like, no, you're, you're, you're done. Your, your voice is, is your instrument. Um, and right now it's out of tune. Take some time off and rest. We'll pick it up in like two or three days. Just get your rest. And, oh man, I felt so defeated, but it paid off in the long run. Um, because I, I didn't want to damage my voice. I wanted to, you know, I want to keep doing this for as long as possible. So vocal health is something to me that's extremely important, especially if you're working frequently. Oh, no, I've said this before. Um, don't, don't kill yourself over this. Like it's, it's no role is worth hurting yourself for like, honestly, exactly, exactly. And, uh, I was, I was about to ask, like, you know, you mentioned like uh, loving about, you know, loving something. I was just about to ask, like, what do you love and hate about what you do? What do I love? Ooh. Um, what, I, what I love about it is that you get to, you get to put on, like, a different hat every other, every other day, so to speak. Um, like, it, it's, it's fun to be able to come in and get to play the lovable goofball character one episode and then, like, the belligerent just jerk character in the next one uh, to a giant muscle head to someone very tame and timid to someone sleazy to someone incredibly extra it's it's fun there's a lot of diversity especially in voiceover where in in on camera you can get typecast into a lot of work because of if you have a very uh specific uh you know body type or or um certain qualities that that they need you for but with voiceover especially um if you have like a diverse palette you can just you can play so many different characters and it's a ton of fun um the only thing that I would say that I, I don't, I don't want to say that I hate anything about the industry. Um, I prefer to work in a very stable environment. Um, 
And with voiceover, it's, it's you get paid as you book. So there will be dry spell periods. There will be times where you're not booking. So you kind of have to be hungry and, and constantly looking for the next opportunity. Um, if you find a studio that likes you, that wants to keep bringing you in, great, fantastic. But you never know when your last voiceover session or your next voiceover session, rather, will be your last one. So um, keep the day job, you know, like find a stable, steady source of income, preferably one that's willing to be flexible with you. Like my day job right now uh, does that. They allow that for me. They're very good about um, managing my work, voice work balance. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful. Not everybody's going to have that. But if you are able to find it, hold on to that for as long as you can. Um, you know, keep keep your bread on the table. That's all I say. Yeah, man, like I said in the previous episode, it's it's a great, you know, voiceover is a great job, but there's no security in it. And I that's why I encourage people to be like, hey, you know, if you're serious about doing this, understand there's going to be periods where you're not going to be booking anything. And that's why you kind of need a side hustle, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. when, when stuff's not not working out because you know we because when we look at voice actors we think oh man there's you know you're so good you must be booking constantly but that's not the case because every look every single actor you see Mm -hmm. on on anything is constantly auditioning i don't care if they're you know the top of the food chain or the bottom they're constantly auditioning and if you're not doing that then you're not getting you know you're not getting work but you got to understand that you know auditioning while while that's great you know it's not enough to sustain you so kind of need to find you know that side hustle to keep you you know financially stable as you know to keep the the career going yeah for sure for sure i i've i've never booked a single a single voiceover role in my life that i didn't audition for so yeah i i cannot stress enough the importance of being able to audition on a frequent basis or having a setup where you it allows you to be able to audition on a frequent basis. Um, plus it's just fun to be able to kind of freeform act a little bit without there being any like rules or direction. Um, you know, that's, and, and uh, half the time, the characters that you, uh, that you audition for, even if you don't book them, you may find another big opportunity from that audition. So, uh, case in point, uh, for the, that show I was mentioning before, vampire dies in no time, uh, Toe Honda, he's a supporting character, who um, is sort of like a bit antagonistic towards Ian Sinclair's character, um, the, the great vampire hunter, Ronaldo. He's uh, uh, Honda is a half vampire who grew up with him and uh, Ronaldo's a vampire hunter. So there's a little bit of animosity there between the two characters, but it's also very fun because he hates him for very petty reasons. It's a comedy anime. Um, I originally auditioned for the part of Ronaldo. Uh, and obviously didn't book it because Ian Sinclair is a phenomenal voice actor and also has been doing this way longer than I have, but they liked my performance enough to cast me as Honda. And so I got to work closer with Ian Sinclair and, uh, Frank Todaro who, or Todaro, I think I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, um, who plays the, the other, uh, main character in that show. And I got to learn a lot from them and, and, and the way that they perform their characters and to play off of them as well. Um, help to elevate my performance to the next level. And then from that, it creates this snowball effect. The director of Vampire Dies in No Time uh, is the director currently for Love After World Domination, which is my first leading role. I play Fudo Aikawa, a.k.a. Red Gelato. Um, 
And uh, so I've worked closely with that director. They know what I can do. And I think that sort of helped to put me in the best position to say, you know what? Yeah, I want to, I want to audition for the lead in this show. And I may not have got it for this one, but maybe this one. And then just so happened to work out that way. So um, love after world domination. <laughs> this is, you know, your first lead role. You know, what do you, do you was there any pressure going into that? Uh, to be honest, it, uh, I don't know if it's actually hit me yet. Uh, I think I'm waiting. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's just a jar of emotions, right? That I'm just keeping by my desk. And as the series gets closer and closer and closer to eventually like finishing, I just keep pouring more and more of that just excitement into this jar. And I'm waiting until the series is finally done to just smash that jar and just release a tidal wave of like, I did it! Oh my God, I can't believe this. What is like, ah! <laughs> when, I, when I first got the email that I was going to be coming in for the show, because they, they keep everything very hush-hush. And you never really, like, I didn't know that I booked the lead until I actually went in to record for him. But I looked at my time card and I saw how long they wanted me to come in for. And it was for the first episode. And there's not a lot of other male characters in the first episode. So I was like, this is probably Fudo. I, 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 I have a very strong feeling this is Fudo. And I walk in and I'm like, all right, who am I playing? They're like, yeah, you're Fudo. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Okay. <laughs> just go right into the booth and just took off from there. You sure you want me for the lead? You know, because I can do the skeleton guys. <laughs> I can do any one of them. <laughs> I can play any, give me any bit character. Give me any side character. I'll play the bear. I, I don't care. I'll play anybody. You sure you want me to be the lead? And um, I love Fudo so much. He he is just, oh, he's so dumb, but he's so, he means, he means so well. He's just, he's such a great character. Um, He just gives me like, uh, like Dragon Ball Z, he gives me great Saiyan like teenage Gohan in high school energy, um, which which did partially inspired a lot of my performance for the character, especially like the Sentai stuff when he actually uh, gets in the red gelato suit and he's all like, you know, I'm a hero of justice. The only voice in my head when I'm recording these lines is the great Saiyan. I know, um, you know, real talk, you know, because I because I caught up with all the English dub, dubbed episodes that have been released so far, mm-hmm. you know, so anyone who says like, I'm far behind on everything, you know, you can shut up now. I actually, <laughs> I actually did, I actually did my research on this. Cause I knew, I knew everyone was going to give me crap if I didn't talk about love after world domination in detail. I knew, I knew. Okay. I'm, I'm actually surprised. Like there's been a lot of really good fan reception to it. I I'm, I'm shocked. And, uh, you know, honest. while honestly, like, look, I'm not a huge fan of like romantic comedy anime and I do have my issues with the show, mm-hmm. but I had fun with it because w- the thing I love the most about it is that the pacing isn't, it doesn't drag. It doesn't drag. It's like episodes like just uh, come, come and go yeah. real quick. And it's like, yeah. oh, I love this. More more shows think, should be like this. <laughs> I think the only episode that I really felt like I had any pacing issues with was episode one. But, I mean, they needed time to really establish all the characters. So they didn't really do too much plot-wise. Um, I mean, you kind of get the premise of the show in the last act of, like, or the last, like, um, like eight minutes or so of the first episode when he actually, like, says, I love you. Will you go out with me? 
Um, everything else is just kind of filler. It's just introducing you to, hey, here's your heroes, here's your villains, here's your side characters, here's your villain and uh, supporting cast, here's our two love interests, let's let them be cute and adorable together. And then their relationship just takes off. And we're seven episodes in, and yeah, it, it can be a little cheesy and a little corny at times, but it's nice to see a healthy relationship in a romantic comedy series rather than the, Ooh, you know, will they, won't they, will they, won't they. Um, and I feel like a lot of people who are, who are watching the show, sometimes myself included are like, their thoughts are, Oh, there's gotta be some more like plot or drama, right? They, they gotta put, there's gotta be a rift between them. They gotta break up at some point. And I don't know if that's gonna happen. Cause I, I mean, I, I, I know everything about every episode as I'm recording them. I, they don't tell me anything in advance. So, and I think that's good too, because you come in with a fresh take on the character. You don't come in like prepared to read it one way. You get to like read it fresh. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, I love their relationship. I love their dynamic. I think they're really cute and they're healthy and all the credit in the world to, to uh, Lindsay who plays Destiny. She just is, oh my God, miles and above me and just carries carries this couple absolutely on her tiny little shoulders bless her heart uh <laughs> she makes me look better in this show <laughs> i'm i mean to be 100 percent honest with you i mean come on man I, I i honestly thought you know yeah you know if i'm you know being brutally honest like there are times you know there are some reads where i'm like ah oh, that could have been a little bit better delivered but you know overall it's one of the better english dubs that have been you know th- that i've seen recently anyway we try to take our time with it, and we have um, we have a cast and crew around us that are that are very creative, very passionate, and and very just fun, like high energy people. Um, between the the main director, our our assistant directors, um, the the engineers that come in, it seems like everybody that works on the show, like wants to work on the show. That that are they're happy to be there, and we do a lot of night recording sessions too, where um, you know you have people that are pulling long hours and, and working on multiple shows at one time. You get people that'll be coming in there at like 10 in the morning and probably won't even finish their day until 10 at night because they, they have to, they're trying to pick up extra shows. And then um, you'll get a director who comes in and he's just like kind of burnt out on the day. But the moment we get in the booth and I'm recording Fudo, all the energy, just like it's, it's a second wave. You just get that surge, that rush of, Oh my God, this is, this is gold. I love this. Oh, this line. What, what if we read it like this? Oh, that's really funny. Oh my God. Yeah. Do that. Do that. Oh. And then what if they said this? Oh my God, are we, are we changing the script too much? Oh, we'll put it in as an alt. I don't know. Like, let's just have fun with it. At the end of the day, it's a romantic comedy and I, I love doing comedy. It's just, it's, it's my, my bread and butter. Um, it was like that with Vampire Dies uh, in, in no time. And it's, it's like that now with Love After World Domination. Um, I think like there there were some jokes that I really did like. I did like the beach episode where you know the quote unquote robot part was just the calf of the robot. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that was pretty funny. You got, you got me there. You got me there. Yep, yep, yep. There is no plot in this series. It is pure relationship dynamic, 100 percent of the way, and I love that. And I love how it's like you know you think that oh you know we're we're gonna be testing out a giant robot you know like are we gonna see the giant robot no you just yeah, no, see it's, it's, it's like it's like the calf it's like the calf of the, of the robot you don't even see the finished thing oh man I hope they're saving that for like later episodes I want I want the very last episode to be a big battle between giant mecha and and uh, and, and and there's like some subtle bit. some subtle humor that I really did enjoy in the episode where he infiltrates the base to see. 
to see Decimi because he hasn't seen her for so long. Uh, oh, they, yeah. the, the the mission originally was like, oh, they're developing developing this like really big weapon, and what does the weapon turn out to be? It's just the bear's new cannons, like it's just I, blastoise, little yeah, blastoise I thought, cannons. I, I thought, you know what? That is that is hilarious. Like that is like that. That's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff that make that that's really funny because like you don't ex, you know you were expecting like this like maybe giant laser or something. No, it's just like the the it's massive weapon is just slightly uh, bigger just, cannons. Yeah. <laughs> just so Bear Stoice can get his moment, and then and then the cannons get blown up at the at the end of the episode anyway. So it's great. They just they take the Sentai elements and they're just like they're they're in there. But it's just so funny how we take such a backseat to like the to to the two main characters, and and that's that's it, it, it's it's so oh my god, it's so funny. It's pure slice of life. I wish there were more mainstream anime that that took themselves less seriously. And or to, yeah, took themselves less serious and added more of that sort of just slice of life aspect to shows. It's nice to have a little rise and fall like that. And and again, like I'm not a huge fan of like romantic comedies or or slice of life, but I I think you know for for this show it works because it takes the concept of okay, what if what if Super Sentai was real and makes it work mm. because. If this stuff was real, it'd be lame as all hell. And I think that's kind of the <laughs> that it translates so well because, like, yeah, it would be lame as all hell. Like, you know, evil organizations would just be like a normal office job to people. It's not. Oh you know, yeah, it wouldn't, it yeah. Wouldn't be if, if you haven't watched it, if you haven't watched it yet, you should check out an anime called uh, Miss Kuroitsu from the Monster Development Department. Um, it's another series that's on Crunchyroll that I think just it just wrapped up its first season. Um, and it's basically that it's another Sentai style anime uh, from the perspective of the basically the, the monster development department of an evil organization. Um, and it's got all the, like the R&D behind the scenes like stuff, but it's still told in a comedic way. Uh, and it, it kind of paints like the superhero industry as more of a business, um, yet it's somehow still a comedy. I'm not doing it justice. Uh, watch the watch the anime. I uh, I play the final antagonist in uh, in that as well. So if you want to see more of my work, um, definitely check out Miss Kuroitsu. And uh, what what are some of your favorite uh, uh, Fudo lines? Some of my favorite Fudo lines. Oh gosh, um, I love when they let us kind of throw in subtle references or um, uh, some like lines that are that are improvised. One of my favorites is in episode two, the, uh, the, um, the Fudo, you idiot line. Um, that was improvised. That wasn't in the original script. Um, and then uh, the end of episode seven, which just came out um, at the time that this is being recorded. Uh, there's a scene where uh, the Green Ranger like passes over, like passes, passes out, falls over. And the line is just supposed to be like, like, oh, no, Daigo. Uh, but we did a solid snake reference. Uh, which I don't think anybody caught at the time. So I was like, Ooh, yes. Let me keep sneaking these in there every now and again. No one's going to notice that I made a Tom Brady reference in episode four. Like, I'm not even going to tell you what it was. You'll have to find out for yourself. Um, <laughs> like little things like that um, are just fun. And that, that's just like us again, being in the booth and, and having fun with the, with the material. So uh, me and the director just goofing around and, and, and making magic. And um, what what are some of your favorite uh, moments during uh, recording? Like, was is there has there ever been like any funny booth stories? Uh, oh God, too many to count, and probably some that I shouldn't 
say on, on a podcast. <laughs> um, they really ought to just like let us put a webcam in the booth and just like record the behind the scenes stuff because a lot of it is just us kind of goofing off and just talking about the show and then maybe like the last like 35% of what we do is us actually like recording the lines because um, like I don't know I, I do a pretty good job I think I've like I, I've gotten so used to playing Fudo now that I can typically go through his lines in usually like one pass sometimes maybe even two passes um, uh, without needing to make too many alterations which I think is, is really nice for like just keeping the energy going when you don't have to like get stuck on a line too too long or like really think about how it needs to be delivered it gives you more time to flesh out the rest of the stuff usually we wrap up a session um, with a few minutes left over to just kind of go back and look through what we've done and say, Hey, how'd you feel about this take? What did you want to do differently with that? Or, Hey, I was wondering with this scene, like, I know it was written this way, but like, given the situation, what if we do it, you know, like, and then we like go and make our changes there. And if the director signs off on them, it's going to make it into the final episode, uh, the finished product. So um it's really cool. And you'd be surprised how often uh, you look at, you know, what actually gets produced or what gets released on recording day or uh, like on, on um, like streaming day when the episode actually goes out, you'd be surprised how much of that wasn't in the original script when, um, when it was first being drafted. No, um, you, you mentioned like uh, one of the animes you, uh, one of the other animes you worked on was um, combatants will be dispatched. And yes. I'm of the, I, I'm of the opinion that, and I know this is probably going to be controversial, but the dub ooh, was much ooh, better than the sub for that show. It was so much I, better. See, I don't, I don't think that needs to be controversial. I think, I think you're fine to have that opinion. Like be- I, I don't really, I don't really care too much about the whole sub versus dub debate. In all honesty, I think it's just a waste of time. Anime's anime. Enjoy it however you want to enjoy it. Yeah, you know? no, but but I mean like. That, the, the reason I enjoyed the, the dub more than the sub is because I can tell the actors were having just so much fun recording their lines and just riffing on the material and just just having fun. And I'm kind of like, you know, we kind of need more of this. Just like, you know, having fun <laughs> in the oh, booth yeah. and not, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, and um, you know, credit, credit where credit's due right now, especially – um, with the new Crunchyroll studio, I really, really feel like the work environment is just, it's, it's incredible. Incredible. I haven't had a tough day at the office since, you know, everything started getting like going back in house. Um, like I loved recording from home. It was really cool getting to hop in the booth, you know, decide flipping a coin to decide whether or not I wanted to put on pants today. Um, to actually getting to see my friends again and, and to, you know, talk and collaborate on stuff face to face, honestly, is so it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not underrated, but it's like, um, uh, you'd be surprised how much better I feel like, uh, a series gets made when you can actually work with people in an environment together rather than feeling like isolated and, and separated from everyone. Well, yeah, I, I feel like the best performances are usually the ones where you and the director, you know, are in a room and, you know, you, you can go back and forth and be like, OK, I want to do it this way. What do you think if I do this or that, you know, and just exactly just yeah. have that collaboration and just have fun with it. Like, yeah, I understand, mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to be, you know, you, you know, take it seriously. I'm not saying, like, don't take it seriously, but well, it just... also depends on your relationship with that director, too. That's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously, don't don't try to, 
you know, yeah. d- d- look, d- don't try to go in there trying to make friends. Okay. You know, just, just, uh, Oh no, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go in, go in trying to make friends. Friends are great. especially in, in, in a collaborative, like any type of creative environment, it's good to go in with friends. Um, I, I, I feel like you, you, you need to sort of, and, and this is more for the people that are coming in that are, that are new to the industry. Um, no two directors are going to, uh, function the same way as one another. You need to get a feel for how everybody operates and what kind of energy and vibe they give off and try to match the director's energy, at least at first, until you get more comfortable and you develop that like work friendship uh, with them. Um, there are plenty of directors that even I, you know, after four years of doing this, I still feel uh, kind of shy around because, you know, either some of the projects that they've worked on or the lack of my engagement with them. And I, I it's not that I prefer, you know, this director over this director, um, it's just more so, and sometimes, you know, a director that you've worked with for a long period of time that you're super close with, they could just be having a bad day, you know, and it's just good to f- you vibe or like, you know, read their energy and know what you need to come into the, the session with, you know, to make everything go smoothly. Also, like all the, all directors have different styles I've noticed. So, you know, <laughs> some, some directors, you know, give, give line reads, some don't, some, some just like refuse to give any line reads. Some, some just, some, some just go in and say, "Look, you know, don't, you know, don't give me any line reads. I want it to sound like, you know, authentic and and what have you." And that's mm-hmm. fine. So understand that not every director you work with is going to have the same, you know, style. And exactly. you got to be prepared. Got to be prepared for that. Yep, exactly. Be professional, but but you know, bring bring a little of your own energy to the table as well. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's it's. Basically, like the my point is like it's it's a collaborative effort. You know, the best performances are always a collaborative effort. It's not just there. It's not just hey, you know, I'm gonna go in there and get you know give this like incredible performance. No, it's like it's a collaborative effort. Yep. You know, hundred percent. You know, the director, you know, the scriptwriter, the engineer. You know, it's all like. You know, mm-hmm. you, you guys can't exist without the other is, is basically exactly. what I'm trying to say. Exactly. 100% agree with you there. So, you know, treat everybody with respect and you'll go you'll go places. And if you're, you know, kind of a jerk, then you're not going to go anywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's oof. Yeah. So, you know. I'm not going to elaborate on that anymore. But... Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The story, uh, look, I've had Morgan Loray Garrett on the show, so you know, and, and the stuff she Morgan she's, is amazing. Yeah, I the, love Morgan. Yeah, yeah, uh, the stuff she's been through. Ooh. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Morgan fun. is she, she? Oh my god, her energy outside of the booth matches her energy in the booth. It's it's fantastic. Oh, wow. that was her first episode, by the way. That was the first time she ever recorded like any podcast. Because I remember I reached out to her a long time ago, and really? she was, and you know, and this is in the episode, so it's not me, you know, not me making making anything up for clicks or whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. in the episode. Go listen to it. But you know, she she originally didn't respond because you know, and she says this in the episode. You know, her father had passed away because of COVID, mm-hmm. and she had you know shut herself yeah. off from from the rest of the world and. You know, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't until like late summer of last year, you know, she replied to me and said, you know, do you still want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. And mm-hmm. it was it was an interesting episode to, to, because she just she's one of my favorite people ever because she will tell you how it how it how it is. She, you know, yep. 
what what you get with her is what you get with her. Like there's yeah. no super super genuine person. Um, great great director as well. Um, so yeah, just one of one of my favorites. And yeah. and and what's funny is like she started off her her career as like she just like hey we need someone to to come in to do this character. Oh, by the way, you're a main character, by the you know, so have fun with that. It's like, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> That's how her career started. It's like, you know, she just comes in for, for yep. this one thing and it's like, oh yeah, by the mm-hmm. way, you're one of the main characters. Have fun with that. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, some people sometimes that's how it is. Some char- some actors just get thrown right into characters, uh, you know, big, big roles right away. Um, everybody's journey is different. Honestly. Yeah. 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 And um and do you feel like with you know, with, you know, the industry changing, you know, with, with COVID and what have you, like, do you, do you think that it's made things easier or harder for people to get into it? Um, Hmm. That's, uh, I'll have to think about that one a little bit. Um, and only because like we are starting to, I feel like obviously everyone's felt the effects of of COVID and, and what it's done to just remote work in general, um, in every industry, not even just voiceover. Um, but things are starting to get a little bit of a sense of normalcy again. Um, I I know there are definitely some people that are pushing more for expanding and opening up remote work. Um, and there are others that prefer to work uh, locally. And I think it, it, it still works either way. Because, I mean, people were doing remote recording before the pandemic as well. So it's not like this was a foreign concept to everybody. It was more so how do we do this on a grander scale? Um, and I honestly, I, I don't know if it's something that I feel comfortable commenting on because I'm still, uh, like, I don't consider myself like a, like someone who's been in the industry a long period of time. So I don't really know what it was like beforehand. I just want to come in and work, you know? Um, and whether that means working remote or working, um, in, in studio, you know, as long as at the end of the day, I get to continue doing the work that I love. That's all that matters to me. I think that's the best um, attitude to have right now. It's because it's easy to, I mean, it's easy to go back and forth and argue about what, what should and shouldn't be done. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we're just, you know, people are just actors. Like, you know, just, you know, just go, just go in there and just have fun. You know, even, even if it's like, yeah, it's like, it, it must, you know, it must suck not getting, you know, people who, who don't live in the, the, the Texas area back for specific roles, but it's like, you know, that's, that's the nature of the mm-hmm. business. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I don't want to comment on it any further. Cause I know that this is a hot button issue and yeah. <laughs> yeah. It certainly feels like it can be. And I understand both, both parties and both sides of the argument. And so it's, it's not my job to get involved or to take sides. It's my job to, to be an actor and to work. Yeah, that so. that's that's the, the that's the other thing that people need to understand is that, you know, if you're if you get upset over someone because they they said that they prefer, um, like one or the other, they they need to work at the end of the day, so yeah, you know, it's it's not going to be a case of oh I'm just going to say everything that you agree with, it's <laughs> it's no it's like I you know at the end of the day these are actors and they need work and you know without work mm-hmm. you know how are they gonna pay the rent <laughs> you know? exactly yeah, that's what i was saying too for, for the newer newer actors out there like i said don't give up the day job keep keep getting that income if you want to be able to do the stuff that you love for a living or to eventually do it full time you gotta you gotta kind of establish a little bit of a nest for yourself you know 
Um, but I will say to kind of stay on that topic, um, just because I, I emphasize or I say like, you know, make sure that you, that you're laying a proper foundation for yourself. Don't be afraid to take risks, um, or to accept that things aren't always going to go your way. Um, if I could share a little life story as well. Um, I was mentioning my dad earlier being like one of my biggest inspirations as well for like me getting into the industry, you know, a lot spending a lot of time watching football games with him and developing a love for voiceover because of it. Um, my dad had a restaurant, like I said, for 16 years, great business, great people coming in. Um, people who, who loved him. Like he was like, uh, almost like a, like a little bit of a local icon in this place. Everybody came even, even not just for the food, but just to shake hands with my dad. And that was really cool. He was like one of my heroes growing up. Um, and then after 16 years of, of running that business, eventually, you know, we had the, the 2008 uh, housing crisis and um, just people started kind of tightening their wallets a little bit and business started to drop off. And after a while, my dad had to close down the restaurant. You know, they, they, it was a, a long run. It was an amazing run, but nothing is, is set in stone permanently. So do the work that you love for as long as you can, but understand that there are going to be some lull periods and there's going to be some periods of personal growth and recovery that you're going to have to go through as well. Like trials and tribulations will make you stronger as a person. I feel like you have to, um, I don't know, I'm just talking metaphors at this point, but like iron sharpens iron, so to speak. No, I, I agree with you 100% is that, you know, we all have to go through the tough, t the tough times to get to, to get to where we are. Like I've said this before, like, I re-listened I re-listened some old episodes that I've done and I'm like this is horrible this is terrible what what was I thinking but I just kept going with it and there were mm. many times where I wanted to quit there were many times where I'm like you know what this is not working out this is not you know I'm getting so much nose and what have you but I just kept going I just kept yeah. moving forward and and yeah I don't care if if I you know if I don't see like I mean, I don't care about social media. I don't care about like numbers of followers. I don't care about engagement. I don't care like how many listeners I have. I'm just like, you know, I just want I do. to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I, I care. I, I do care. <laughs> it's part of the industry. You know, you have to be, you have to be liked enough, I think, to do this. I mean, uh, for you, uh, yeah, for you. I mean, not for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody tries to pretend like, oh yeah, it's not about the followers, it's not about the sub counts, it's about the work. It's like, well, you know, if you want to get invited to conventions, people have to want to see you. You have to be a person like if, if you're, if you're super talented, but you're, I don't know if I can, if I can curse, so I won't, but if you're like, if you're a jerk, if you're an a-hole, like no one wants to invite you to, to make appearances. Like you, you gotta be somebody personal. You gotta be somebody that people want to see at the end of the day, like surround yourself with people that are that are happy to see you so there's there's a, a certain amount of that that like is important like you know the, the follower count um it shouldn't be the thing that you strive for you don't want that to be like your 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 driving force behind being in this industry but it definitely it definitely doesn't hurt i will i will admit that i mean yeah it's it's unfortunately a part of the business now it's like you kind of need to have big follower numbers to you know get noticed because that's a thing now and <sighs> but you can also you can also develop a big following um just by by proving your worth and showing up and working hard and uh and you know starting small and building that audience that way and i i actually i personally think that that's probably the 
the better way to develop a following is because you know those people have stuck with you through the hard times. They're going to stick with you through the tough times as well. Um, like that's that's what really matters. And then as soon as you start getting haters, then you know you made it. That's, <laughs> how, that's how you know. That's how you know you've, you've 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 hit a level of success that's like reached notoriety levels. You know, you you did it when you have haters. You know, again, not to bring up the old sub subs versus dubs debate, but I'm just like. Oh, please bring it up. Bring it no, up. It's, just, a, it's a good, just, it's a good conversation topic. No, no, I just, I just, it just boggles my mind that this is still a thing Like that people still shit talk, um, you know, uh, dub voice actors saying, oh, they're not the real actors and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh God. Shit talk. Okay. So we can swear. <laughs> Fucking thank God. Um, oh man. I'm from Boston. I've been holding this in the whole time. You know, the Celtics are in game three right now of the NBA finals. I'm just, I'm, I'm holding in my in a New Englander. And uh, <laughs> it's hot, man. It's hot. No, I, uh, I, do, I juggle that accent. It's, it's insane. We were at a, we we're at Korean barbecue. Um, my little brother and, uh, uh, my mom came to visit uh, just out of the blue, like last summer, and they met a few of my uh, my friends down here, and we all went out to eat together. And and <laughs> my friends, she's looking at me, she's laughing the whole time, and I'm like, "What's up? What's so funny?" She goes, "You sound completely different when you're with your family than when you're hanging out with us." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "You're doing it right now." <laughs> like I, I, I change little words, like I say roof, and then I say roof, or park and pack. Like that's obviously that's an obvious one. Um, what were we talking about? I totally steered <laughs> off conversation. <laughs> well, you just ruined your entire characters now, because now, now, <laughs> now I, I, Boston Fudo. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh no, no, no! It's not happening. Destiny, I love you. No. Um. <laughs> um. No, but to go back to the whole sub sub versus dub thing, it is. It's it, it's a dumb argument to have. It really is, and. Like, I don't know why, like, honestly, I want to sit down and have a conversation with like an actual like sub elitist and be like, why aren't you willing to give dubs a chance? Or why don't you like dubs? Like, honestly, I want to hear, like, it's okay to have a preference. I don't mind if you prefer subs over dubs. I prefer a lot of subbed anime over dubbed anime, but it's, it's the, it's the, the, the sub fans who will outright dismiss or, or put down dubs and say, watch the sub instead. It's like, who are you to tell someone how to enjoy media? Like at the end of the day, we're all fans of anime. Like, why are you trying to, it's like, are we in some weird alternative universe where bur- uh, nerds bully other nerds? Like what are we, what are we doing here? No, and I say this because like um, there was a convention uh, a couple months ago here and Bryce P- Pappenbrook was, was, was one of the guests and he got so much hate from people, you know, Bryce? When, yeah, yeah, from 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 people here because they're like, oh, he's a dub actor, he's not the real actor, blah blah blah. And it's like the real actor. What is that even? I, I got you know so, what's really funny. You know I got so really I got he so adapts. annoyed. I, I, like I got so annoyed by it because like you, it's like night and day difference. Like I, I oh man, I hate this argument about like oh, there's me, no audience, there's no audience for dubs. Fuck you, there is. But we, <laughs> let me let me just, tell you something right now. Okay. Let me let me tell you something real quick about the whole sub versus dub argument. We adapt um, anime. Obviously, the original source material is in Japanese, but Crunchyroll will release, especially episodes of Love After World Domination, in English, Spanish, Portuguese. We do multiple languages. The Spanish and the Portuguese actors uh, don't get any, oh, this is trash, watch the sub instead. It's only the English actors. So, like, why, why is that, then? Is it just specifically English acting that you don't like? And if that's the case, 
what does that say about you putting down English acting over, over, you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's that, that's, that's where I draw the line where it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to crap talk the English dub, I mean, commit to the bit and you hate on everything. If that's the case. No, I, I, Look, you know, <laughs> real, real, real fucking talk. I honestly think that there are some animes that sound better German dubbed than they do than they do um, in Japanese. Yeah, like I've seen, the, I've seen the some... German dub for Spy Family is really good. Like, if you if you don't mind listening to subtitled anime, watch the German dub. It's fantastic. Oh man, I've only seen. Look, man. I mean, Ikitosen is not not a good anime, but you know, in German, <laughs> it's actually kind of watchable. Almost. I can't say I've ever seen. I can't say I've ever seen Ikitosen, so I'm going to take your your word on that one. <laughs> but that's really funny. That's really funny. So yeah, okay. just get off your high horse. Enjoy subs if you want to enjoy subs, but don't don't hate on other other forms of streaming the same media that you enjoy. Just to try to have a little bit of like elitism or a leg up on anybody else. We're all anime fans at the end of the day. We should be coming together over our our, our love of this this genre, rather than trying to like you know oh like uh, subs are better than dubs or your anime is trash. This anime is top tier. Oh, anime was so much better back then than it is now. Shut the hell up. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy anime. That's all. Just take a deep breath, relax, and just enjoy the material. It's yeah. for everyone. Yeah, I know. And it just it just really bothers me that this is still like still a thing and I'm just like look, I understand, you know, you you guys want to meet the the Japanese voice actors so badly, but it's like I can't imagine their rates are cheap for these types of conventions. Can't imagine. Oh, and, no, I mean, it's, and, it's and, a and then there's different the, the, the cultural problem, differences aside as well, too. And the problem is that, you know, they, they, the con organizers said, hey, you know, we did reach out to the Japanese embassy to see, like, you know, how, how do we get, you know, Japanese uh, voice actors over here? And they're like, hmm. you can't because it's a whole different, you know, different thing that you have mm-hmm. to go through. And it's like, yep. yeah, not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. I mean, they usually do come come stateside for some of the larger animes. I mean, we had um, or, or larger anime conventions rather. Um, you know, we've had some some Japanese talent. Anime. I used to frequent Anime Boston a lot back in the day. That was my that was my jam. Loved AB. That actually, that's if I have anything that I want to check off of my uh, my voice acting goal, I would love to obviously start doing the the con circuit. I'd love to start doing conventions. I don't think I'm ready for that yet, but eventually. I would love to go back to my home city of Boston and stand in front of a crowd of anime fans and be like, I used to be right where you guys are standing right now. This is awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming out to like, to, to, to see all of us up here. Like that, that would mean a lot to me personally. You know? Yeah. Uh, I honestly think, cause you forget that a lot of, you know, uh, up and comers nowadays, grew up watching anime in like the mm-hmm. the 90s or 80s mm-hmm. and you know they they you know fell in love with it or even the 2000s like I, i'm seeing like a lot of new talent you know that grew up in the you know the late 90s yeah. to early 2000s and they you know loved anime and they're like oh, i want to i want to be a part of this and yep. yeah you're starting to see you know, you're starting to see them come in to, to you know to do this and it's like yeah uh, fuck you for telling me that um, the, the dubs have have no fan base. You know, fuck I, off. Yeah, I, I started watching anime before I even knew what anime was. I was watching Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon and uh, Dragon Ball and and Naruto, and not even knowing that these were anime. 
I just remember running out of episodes of of, uh, of Naruto to watch on, on Cartoon Network and being like, oh man, I can't believe it's done. I, 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 I want to see more. And then my friend just goes, yeah, dude, there's like 16, 17 like, more episodes in Japanese. I go, what do you mean? And he was like, do you not know what an anime is? And I just, he, he like opened the door to like all this, like, oh, wait. So the episodes are, if it stops at like 45 here, oh, they're on like episode 61, 63 over here. I can binge all of this. Okay, cool. I've caught up on Naruto in Japanese. Gosh, I wish there was more. Well, have you heard of manga? and then i'm down the rabbit hole i'm full-on weeb at that point oh then you start screaming about you know the the anime adaptation not being as good as the (laughs) (laughs) and that's another thing too come on man jeez just let oh you can have preferences but don't oh god anime fans are ruining anime man i'm telling you i'm just kidding um Look, I'm not even like I'm not even you know I'm not even like that big of an anime fan, but I'm you know starting mm. to to be like okay you know I I need to watch more anime because you know you I mean, know, good enjoy are... the people you bring on your podcast yeah. are anime voice actors too <laughs> like it'd be nice to watch the material. No, I because it's like look, um, I again I grew up watching you know mm. Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, you know all that stuff in the you know uh, uh, late '90s, early 2000s, but I was never like full-on into anime like the you know i I had my my you know the shows i loved i mean i love cowboy bebop and i still yeah to to this day it's the only it's the only anime i think is perfect in in dub than than sub like don't don't at me don't don't i've never even watched it subbed i've never even watched (laughs) cowboy bebop subbed don't at me don't fucking at me with that i i will die on that hill (laughs) and and for as as goofy and as like figuring our star shit out as the dragon ball z anime was you can't deny that it's iconic you cannot deny dragon ball z the, the like a funimation dub is is iconic to this day now i still argue that you know it's funny that people shat on that dub for not being like of the like the original and blah 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 they changed too much and the voice actors weren't good but then you know in 2010 when kai came out and all the voice actors came back everyone was like Oh, we love Chris Sabata's Vegeta. Fuck you. <laughs> I love. But, oh my gosh, my my introduction to Dragon Ball Z. Um, the very first episode I watched was because um, I got into it like, kind of late. I started getting into Dragon Ball in like the, in the early to mid two thousands, and my first episode was um, during the Majin Buu saga. It was when Vegeta, Gohan, and Goku were going into Bobby's spaceship, and it's the it's the first fight. Vegeta goes up against this like bug-headed monster named Pui Pui with a giant ass like bug head and he just he beats the shit out of him and I was like oh this character is so cool he's badass oh this boy ooh I like him and then like 10 episodes later Vegeta dies and I didn't know about the Dragon Balls at the time so I was like they just killed him off no no Vegeta no why and then like everyone's like dude gonna bring him back at some point they have the dragon ball <laughs> oh but, but yeah no vegeta vegeta is a special place in my heart i oh, fucking love vegeta uh, i honestly and, um, and, and, and uh an adult gohan 
are, are my they're my two favorite characters in look the game. i I'll, I'll another hill i'll die on is that um the great saiyaman arc was great and fuck anyone who says otherwise yeah yeah and that's what i'm saying it's it's that slight it's a it's just a, a big chunk of slice of life and and that's what i'm saying like it's just it's nice to see the characters just be characters every now and again like the fights are epic the fights are incredible they're super memorable the soundtracks just oh, so good but every now and again it's nice to just watch two characters just you know rib with each other like go off of each other um, i mean and this was the last time i liked gohan as a character before he became like a just a generic jobber for the for the bad guy yeah yeah but like that that's how that's who gohan's always been he's not a fighter he's not a he's not a, a, a vegeta and a, and a goku he's a character who who's called upon when the world needed him most and when he did his job he was like I, I just want to be a normal normal kid. I want to go to school and I want to get an education. Like, why do people hate on Gohan for just wanting a better life for himself? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, honestly, <laughs> you know, he did the right thing because look, if it look, you know, if if we're Exactly. You know, like real talk, man, if you had a dad like Goku, it would fucking yep. suck. <laughs> yep, exactly. There's no income coming through that household. He married Videl, who's the daughter of the richest man on the planet. Like, Gohan's set for life. The man is doing well for himself. I don't know. Fuck everybody who hates Gohan. Gohan knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> like, he knew. He's, <laughs> the, he's man like, used, the man used the strongest muscle in the Dragon Ball universe, his brain. <laughs> like, he knew. He's like, look, you know, I, Dad, I love you, but there ain't no money in this, like, warrior shit. <laughs> to stall if you need me to stall Majin Buu till you show up dad then yeah absolutely I'm your guy you know good on you Gohan I'm proud of you you keep trucking little man I mean and that's what I liked about you know the 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 great Samon um uh arc is that you know just seeing the characters act like you know normal human beings instead of just like oh you know there's this new guy who's being an asshole and we gotta yep. it, we got like twenty episodes to beat twenty episodes ass. to beat him and it's just oh fuck <laughs> after a while they just start blending together you know <laughs> oh by the way Dr. did Kai. you did Dr. you know Kai. in the original Dragon Ball Z the fight between um, Goku and Frieza lasted. Uh, 21 episodes i shit I you not i did i did know that i did know that <laughs> <sighs> and you know what's funny i have I, I i hate to admit but i was that guy who at one point in his life watched every single episode of dragon ball z in order just to say i've seen every episode i don't know how the hell i got through the frieza saga well actually that's a lie i love the frieza saga that fight though took up so much of my free time <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't until like years later, like, oh, they're remaking it. Ah, oh, they can't do the Frieza fight again. I don't want to sit through oh, that again. Man. But then they're just like, oh no, we we cut out the we cut out we cut out all the filler. Fuck yeah, yes. Thank God, thank God for Kai. Thank God for Kai. Jeez. Ugh. Plus, um, man, I I miss Chris Ayers. He was amazing. He really was. He really was. Such taken from us way too soon. I remember and my just... heart. Oh, I remember my heart breaking when, when I heard the news. I was like, oh, God. Not Chris. Oh, yeah. Not Chris. Yeah. Worst part is I never got to I never got to meet him or shake his hand or, you know, thank him for playing such an iconic character. Uh, I mean, and all credit to the original actress as well. Um, 
Frieza was super menacing back in the day, but he just brought this air of like, like he turned Frieza into this larger than life Shakespearean villain um, who you just like seethed and wanted to see get defeated, you know, um, just, oh my gosh, amazing actor. Just, yeah. Rest in peace. I always, um, one of my favorite things about Frieza was, I don't, I don't know if you've ever played one of the, any of the Dragon Ball games. I don't remember which one it was for the Dude, PlayStation 2. Budokai. Dragon Ball Z Budokai <laughs> was my shirt. <laughs> I remember, oh, man. I remember always picking Frieza and just spamming Death Beam. Over yeah, oh, oh, you were that guy? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I was, anyone who played Perfect Cell was, was a jerk, in my opinion. That broken, like, upper leg kick combo that had more reach than any other character. He just cycled you through a juggling animation until you built up enough key to use a dragon rush. And then finished you off with, like, a, what, a 50-hit combo death beam move that he probably stole from Frieza. Let's be real here. God, those games were busted, but they were my childhood. No, they were amazing. It's like, it's broken as shit, but, like, you know, isn't that what Dragon Ball is? Is just someone just coming in, being OP yeah. as all shit, and just beating power, The power scaling is fucked, man. Oh, God. Also, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm, I you know, I take offense to, to you know, you, you shit-talking Perfect Cell, because he's my favorite uh, Dragon Ball villain, and I will have... Will have no, dude, dude, he's my, he, he's my favorite villain, too. He's my favorite villain. I love Perfect Cell. I think the series should have ended at Perfect Cell. In all honesty, I love Majin Buu, but Cell, it was like, Cell was the penalty. He was like the perfect, the perfect way to end the series. Oh, you know man. What I mean? Dam- Damon Clark, man. Oh, he's so good. So oh. good. <laughs> Fantastic actor. Taguro as well. Yu Yu Hakusho. That is probably in my top five anime of all time list. It's incredible, incredible series. Um, I also love how, you know, if, because. You know, again, Handsome Jack, great role, perfect casting. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what I love about uh, Handsome Jack is that because uh, Damon had played him uh, so many times over the years, that when mm-hmm. they got to fighters, you know, Dragon Ball Z fighters, his performance uh-huh. as Cell was more sarcastic and, and witty. And I'm like, yes, he's, he's doing yeah, like... <laughs> we, all, we all kind of benefited from that, yeah. I think. <laughs> so did you, play, did you play Borderlands 2 to death like I did? Oh, I, I played that. I think more than more than any of the other games. I'm like, you know, oh man, I I, I have Borderlands three downloaded, but I'm like, no, you know, two 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 is my jam. Two is my comfort yeah, zone. No, two I, is like, I, I started don't... with two. Started with two. Played through about half of the pre sequel. For some reason, just didn't stick with me. Played all of Borderlands three. I'm still playing through Tiny Tina's Wonderlands just because it's so recent, and I just don't have free time anymore because of you know all the work I'm doing. Um, but Borderlands two, oh my god, did that burn a hole in my hard drive. And I'm talking like the, the back in the day, like the conference call B-Shield combo where you're just lighting up every single boss fight in, oh man, good times, Borderlands 2. Me and my brother, we, we, we played those games to death. Oh man, I remember playing the first Borderlands and I'm like, okay, this is good. But then sequel came out and that, that, that to me was like, okay, this is, this is, this is amazing and I love everything yeah. about it. I, I haven't played 3 Heard mixed things, but I'm like, uh, it's, and I just Pretty like fun. the gameplay. The gameplay is really good. The, the weapon system's incredible. Um, Borderlands Two will just always have a special place in my heart, though. It's it's my favorite Borderlands game. It's probably one of my favorite video games of all time. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's one of those games where I, as I get older, I appreciate it more because it's like you know this pretty much, you know, this was the game that invented the loot and shoot genre. 
like yeah. before before that like we didn't have anything like this where it's like nah, not really you know where where it became like oh it's a first person shooter but you you know you got to you got to make sure that you have the best gear the best the best stuff mm-hmm. otherwise you know you're fucked basically yeah yeah and the fact that it keeps you constantly changing your weapons out to um because you can't level up weapons which i thought was great you don't just get like the most powerful weapon in the game early on and then bring it with you for the rest of the series no you got to you got to drop that or or stow that shit and come back and like find something better that may not be as rare but will do the job otherwise you're going to get you're going to get your, your butt handed to you on a silver platter um, I mean, I'm I'm currently playing through Tiny Teen and I'm you know I have my issues with it but it's like you know what this is fun this is like as cl- I mean it's obviously not going to be Borderlands two but you no know, it's, it's different fun. It's, it's definitely fun. different it's, it's got its charm it's got its charm it's good to separate them it's good to separate Tiny Tina's Wonderlands from Borderlands two and three as a whole just in terms of the style of gameplay it's still looter shooter at the end of the day but I do like the the character building I love the uh, uh, the RPG elements of it, you know? Um, but yeah, just as long as you kind of look at it in a different light, they both have their own ups and downs. Um, definitely fewer downs for Borderlands 2, though. What a, God, that game is so good. Ah, man, look, I mean, I love, you know, Tiny Tina is a lot of fun, but man, I miss the Psychos. It's just not the same. Like, the yeah, types yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Uh... What's really crazy is that a lot of the, one of the people that voiced the Psychos in, in Borderlands 2, I now work with at Crunchyroll. <laughs> like, that's really funny to think about. Because a lot of those games are recorded. Like, Gearbox is based down here in Texas. Yeah, I know. I, when I had um, Lenti um, on, they talked about, you know, going into the studio to do uh, Borderlands 3, and they're like, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> this is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's it's such a cool feeling. And I kind of, it's, I think it's something that's kind of been lost on me recently as I sort of forget that like a lot of the, the people that I work with now, I was, I was, I was like their fan back in the day. And now they're, now they're like, they're my colleagues, my coworkers. And, and now some of them are even my friends, which is really cool. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just insane to think like, this is where this industry has sort of taken me in life. Like if I told, if I told like 13 year old me that, Hey, you know, decade down the line, Plus that, that you're going to be doing this stuff yourself. You're going to be working alongside these people. I don't think I would have believed myself. You know, it's, it's like, and sometimes I got to remind myself of that when like days get tough or if there's a lull period in between where I'm like not booking work as frequently as I, as I feel like I should be, you know, I got to remind myself like, Hey, you've come a long way, man. You've got this, you know, like, like you're, li- you're literally living your childhood dream. Like that's the craziest thing. Um, Just like, yeah, if, if you're passionate about something, just, Go out and do it, man. Like you will never regret it. And that's that's what I love about your story is that you just you know had a goal in mind and you went after it. You're like, this is what I want to do, and I don't want to do anything else. I need to yeah. do this. There were some times that I that I definitely got in my own way, um, and uh, so this is a story that's a little bit harder for me to tell because this this is probably like one of the the, the low points in my life. I would say. Um, uh, back when I was just finishing up college, um, and I was kind of starting to do radio a little bit less and less as time was going on, because I realized like, you know, I'm about to like, you know, I got to start being a man. I got to get out there and sort of cement myself and and do what I, you know, got to do my thing, got to put voiceover on the back burner, you know, time to do what's expected of you. Right. 
I, I took a back, I, I let voiceover take a backseat for a long while. And I, um, I kind of settled down and started to do, um, I did like a, like a desk job that I absolutely hated right out of college. And, um, I was working in just this awful environment with the douchiest people, like people I, I couldn't stand at the end of the day. And I was looking at myself in the mirror, hating myself and hating the job that I was in, but I did it because it paid pretty good money. And, um, you know, I, I, I needed that. Um, tried to settle down, tried to start a family. Um, I was, I was, uh, I was actually married at one point, um, very briefly. And, um, the, you know, for reasons, obviously I won't get into, you know, people, people change people part ways and they, they, you realize that the people that, that maybe someone that you thought was going to be the person you'd spend the rest of your life with, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, I was devastated. 2017, I, I hit a wall and I was just, I was torpedoing downhill. I had everything from, um, like a, a, a totaled car. I got into a really bad car accident, um, on the highway. Somebody smashed in the back of my car, fractured two ribs. I was just, I was out of commission for a while having health issues. Like I was at a super low point in my life and I didn't know how to climb out of it. And so a friend of mine, um, her name's Rachel. Uh, she's, she's also a voice actress. Um, I told her, I was like, man, I just, I don't know. I, I don't look forward to waking up in the morning anymore. Like I, I'm just, I, I don't know what to do. And she goes, well, why don't like, why did you stop doing like voiceover? Like the things that you were, that you, you love to do. Um, I was just like, I don't, I just don't see an avenue for that anymore. Like I, I, I can't do that right now at this point in my life. And she told me, listen, I'm down here in Texas. Um, there's workshops and voiceover classes down here. Um, why don't you come down, take a, take a trip down to Texas and, and take one of these workshops. There's one coming up actually like in January. Um, you know, just try it out, see what you like. So I booked a workshop with, um, with Sonny Strait, the, uh, the voice actor who plays Krillin in Dragon Ball Z, Koro Sensei uh, in Assassination Classroom, like you know, a veteran of the industry. He's been, you know, and, and, and a personal hero of mine as well. Took a voice acting workshop with him. And on the third day of the, the workshop, he pulls me aside and he goes, you were absolutely phenomenal. Like, have you, have you been voice acting professionally before? And I was like, no, not really. Did a little bit of radio here and there, but like, th- wow, thank you so much. That, that means a lot. And he goes, in all honesty, like, I think you can make it big down here. Like, I think you're ready for Funimation. And I got into the car, went back to my hotel and I bawled my eyes out. I just, this wave of emotion just came over me. Everything I was repressing and holding in from just this failed career path, this failed marriage, everything was going wrong in my life. And all of a sudden, just, I felt this invigorating, this just new sense of direction. And I, I just, I just, I just sat in that room and I just cried for the rest of the night, hopped on a plane the next day, went to, went back to Boston, sat in my room for like three hours and just started looking into like looking into apartments right away. Didn't waste any time. And then three, four months later, I was hitching my car up to the back of a U-Haul and I drove 30 hours from Massachusetts all the way down to Texas, didn't look back. And then about a week later was when I had that chance meeting. I ran into that, that person I was telling you about it, that Best Buy who worked for Funimation. And I was like, man, this is a sign. This was, this was, I'm meant to do this. Like, I'm going to give this my all. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. 
It's it's really crazy. I I I I I'm 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 a strong believer that everything happens for a reason, and so this this is not an exception. I'm <laughs> I am so happy that life threw the curveballs at me that it did for me to end up where I am right now. I'm I'm a firm believer of um, you don't learn anything if you don't get knocked down, and I have been knocked down many times. But I still got yeah. back up, and I still kept going. Yeah, dude, you gotta you gotta just smile and push through. Like it gets it it gets a little easier every single day, but you can't just you can't ever just give up on 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 your dreams. And I, that's super corny to say, but like if if a guy like me can can make it in this industry, fucking anybody can. I am convinced. I'm not that good of a voice actor. I do the best I can with what I got. And I'm trying to get better every every little day, but um, yeah, just if 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 my if anyone listening to this, if 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 you're like, if there's anything you want to do, even if it's not voiceover, if it's just like if you want to open a small business, if you want to you know if you want to make a, a lot of money and you don't know how to do it, like if you're you know if you're afraid to take that leap of faith and do that job that's gonna that's gonna put you in that that life that you want, just go for it, even if it doesn't work, even if you fail at it, I'm, like over and over again just keep on trying you will eventually figure it out yeah no <laughs> totally agree with you um yeah i have nothing to add to that <laughs> totally agree with you you know <laughs> like, yeah no i mean it's like uh it's like vegeta it's like vegeta when he wanted to be a super saiyan you just you keep you just ugh, it doesn't matter if you see everyone else around you succeeding and everyone else hitting those pinnacles that you can't hit. You just got to keep on grinding. You got to work your ass off and you will be legendary. <laughs> Does it feel weird like um, having, you know, uh, so many friends in the industry? Like, you know, uh, because like... Uh... <laughs> It, it, it does it does it like kind of ruin the mystique of anime when you're watching when you're watching something you're like oh that's that's so it, it does a bit <laughs> it does a bit i i <laughs> it because to me they don't sound like the characters anymore they sound like they sound like people they sound like people that i know which is great um and like obviously i mean i can i can say like all that yeah they're putting on a hell of a performance like that's a great take on that character um i love what x and y person is doing with that character um and it's good because you do learn a lot from the people that are around you. You learn a lot from the other voice actors, especially the ones that um, want to teach you, that are willing to to help you cultivate. And there's a lot of people in this industry, I will confess, that like to kind of roadblock people. There's a lot of gatekeeping in this industry for one reason or another. Um, and I feel like the people that tend to gatekeep are the ones that are more insecure because they don't feel like they measure up. And to see someone else succeed where they feel like, oh, it should have been me. It's kind of like, like, am I not good enough? Oh, like, you can't force people out. You have to learn from the people around you and be the best version of yourself that you can. So that's that's my take on it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I feel like we've uh, <laughs> rambled on long enough <laughs> about yeah. about this. And uh, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to keep you on longer than, than I should, so... Um, oh yeah, no, we've been doing this for for a while, man. Yeah, is, yeah. It's an incredible time. It's absolutely flown by. Yeah, yeah. Um, um before we get before we get wrap this up, uh, what yeah, are you? So let's end on a positive note. Let's yeah. bring it. Yeah, let's bring it back to something uh, high yeah, energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, but but I mean, what, uh, 
Uh, mm-hmm. Honest question. Uh, what are your plans for the future? Honestly, uh, I, I don't know yet. Um, I, I'm still taking everything day by day. And uh, right now, the first thing that's on my mind is I want to wrap up um, Love After World Domination. I want to put a nice, neat little bow on it. Um, and I want to finish. Uh, I, want, I, want it to be, I want it to be something I can look back on and be really proud of. So I'm giving it my full attention right now. And then I already know that um, it was announced last year that Vampire Dies in No Time is getting greenlit for a second season. So no doubt Honda's going to be coming back. So keep an eye out for that. Um, you're going to be hearing me in that, I assume. Um, I think. I don't really know. <laughs> I hope I don't get recast. I doubt I would. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, the goal right now is just to continue to continue to voice act, continue to just hone my craft. Um, and down the line, if any opportunities come up to do more behind-the-scenes work, um, I may try to dabble in eventually. I want to do um, directing at some point. I think it would be really cool. Um, but, uh, maybe shadowing a few directors here and there, kind of learning what goes into that from the opposite end and, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing what doors open up for me. And, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, my Twitter handle, uh, is, uh, uh, Dimasio VO. This is my last name. D I M A S C I O V O. Uh, you can find me there. Um, I, streamed a little bit on on twitch back in the day um uh but not so much anymore i think if i were to get back into doing it i'll probably come up with a new twitch handle and then i'll kind of tie all that to my social media but really i'm on i'm on twitter mainly if you're looking for me all right thank you so so much for doing this this has been a wonderful conversation and if you ever want to come back you know where to find me hey absolutely thank you for having me this was great all right take care bye-bye